in more, uh, have it more abundantly. So here we have Satan, who's come or who wants to influence you in regards to uh, stealing from you, in regards to bringing death, in regards to bringing destruction in your life. But on the other side of the equation, Jesus said that he has come to give you life and life in abundance. So you're kind of in the middle of this battle uh, for your uh, mind and for uh, influence, and you will be you will have temptations whereby the devil's trying to influence you, and you also have opportunities where the Spirit of God wants to lead you on the road where you can enjoy this promise of abundant life. Basically, happiness, uh, blessing, to live a life of blessing. But here's the thing, too, about uh, the promise of abundant life. That promise of abundant life is deeply connected to you playing your part in the great commission that God has for your life. And the devil himself... Uh, wanting to rob, kill, and destroy, also wants to steal from you your opportunity for you to be involved in the Great Commission or reaching the world on behalf of God. Uh, Joining God and why Jesus came 2,000 years ago to bring light to a, a world that is very dark. So abundant life is linked to your part in the Great Commission and um, the devil wants to come and rob, kill, and destroy Satan wants to destroy that plan that God has for your life. Actually, I'm going to use my iPad. Give me a moment. Okay, now we're going to have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. And for 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, and whose mind the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So remember, uh, you're in a spiritual battle. Uh, You have free will in your life. Satan wants to influence your mindsets and God also wants to influence your mindsets. One will lead you to life and for you to participate in the Great Commission, which is in fact an adventure. It's the most amazing thing that you could ever live your life for. But Satan wants to come and steal from you and to kill and to destroy. And here's a scripture Uh, that was written in Corinthians to the Corinthian church to understand why some would not understand the good news or would even be um, just unable to uh, become Christians. And it says this, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So here's the thing, think about it. Uh, The gospel, which is good news, Jesus came to bring good news. He said, I I, I came to proclaim good news, can be veiled uh, to our minds and it will cause us to perish. So watch these chain of events that happens. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, uh, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So let's think about that. Jesus 
came proclaiming good news. This good news is about this promise of abundant life and this participation in the Great Commission. Satan has come to steal from you, to destroy and to kill. And one of the ways that he goes about this is he has a capacity to blind the mind. And this scripture is basically about those who don't know Christ. So Satan uh, blinds the minds who don't know Christ to stop them uh, from not perishing and to rob them of hearing the good news. Now, I want you to remember one thing very, very important for you if you are a Christian. The gospel is a message of good news. The gospel is not a message of condemnation. The gospel is not a message of fear. The gospel is not a message of cancer or sickness. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a message of good news. But Satan wants to rob us of this thing called good news. He wants to fill your head with bad news. He wants to rob you of the fact that God and his word and this thing of abundant life, there are incredible promises for your life. And he wants to use life circumstances as a means to get inside your head. Now, those that don't know Christ are already in this blinded state. They're already in this place whereby they don't understand the gospel. But here's the question for you this morning. Can Satan still blind you? Even if you're a Christian, can Satan still blind you to some of the promises of God, to the good news of Jesus Christ? Well, my answer to that question to you, yes, he can. And many Christians today are not even aware of the robber and the thief who was at work stealing from them this promise of good news. Karen mentioned earlier that, um, you know, we are in a lockdown. And, you know, when you heard that lockdown, I can imagine that you'd heard that bad news and there would have been a reaction within you in regards to this challenge of the lockdown. But see, here's the thing. Uh, When you hear bad news compared to good news, you have to make a choice uh, whether or not you will live inside the bad news or you will combat that with the Word of God because the Word of God is full of good news. The Word of God is not about fear. It's not about you know what you can't do. The Word of God is always about what you can do. Hallelujah. And it is good news. Now, uh, Kieran mentioned again also that uh, a number of years ago, uh, we had the information in regards to... Um, uh, she's brought it up, so I'm going to use it as an illustration that you know she would not be able to have children. But for us, we combated that bad news with the truth of Jesus Christ, that he came to give us life and life in abundance. Now, maybe four or five months ago, oh no, how, much, how pregnant are you now, Kieran? Four months. Four months ago, uh, thereabouts, Kieran and Ryan uh, sat us down and said, you know, Kieran was pregnant. Now, that was good news. We were so excited about the good news. Now, when we heard the good news, uh, it stimulated in our minds the thought of, wow, Kieran's having a child, and our minds were activated and envisaged this new grandchild on the way. And the fact that my mind and how it works, I imagined seeing little Keithina coming. Little Keithina would become my little granddaughter. See, my mind was activated by uh, good news 
And my imagination then therefore formed a picture as a result of this good news of what that future could be like. Some of you I know over the last year or so uh, have had the good news that you would be able to build a house. When you heard that good news about, you know, wow, I can buy a house or build a house, that therefore activated in your mind positive thoughts, thoughts of your future, and then your mind, I'm sure, began to picture, you know, happy ever after with you and your family living in your new house. You see, good news promotes uh, a healthy mind, promotes good thoughts, promotes the possibility of your imagination, imagining what you can see. And see, the Word of God is designed, because it's good news, to activate your thoughts about and release uh, the things that God created, the good endorphins, to make your mind feel good. God's Word is never, never designed to make you feel bad. Otherwise, it would have been called bad news. And in fact, God's word, when you feed your brain with the good news, you are feeding your brain with incredible, super powerful food. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about how meditation, biblical meditation, is just the most amazing thing, that when your mind begins to think upon and ponder as it is fed with the word of God, Uh, It then will stimulate your imagination and then your mind can kind of think of a future uh, coming out of the promises of God. But the devil wants to get inside our minds and rob us of good news. He wants to get inside your head, even using this virus and the challenges around and being in another lockdown. The devil wants to get inside your friends, uh, your head friends, and gain a foothold to rob you of the promises of God. See, where's your mind focused this morning? My job this morning is I want to shift you away from giving the devil a foothold because he wants to get in your head. He wants to come and do his, his plan of stealing, of killing, of destroying God's plan for your life and hold you uh, under his grip. And those that don't know him, are already solidly in his grip. But you are a threat if you are a Christian to him. Because not only are you meant to experience good news, you are meant to be a proclaimer of good news to others. Hallelujah. Again, the gospel is not bad news. The gospel combats bad news. The gospel combats illness and the bad news of illness with healing. The gospel combats the fear of death with the hope of the resurrection. The gospel combats poverty with the promises of God's provision. The gospel combats fear with perfect love. But here's the thing, friend. You must make sure that you, through your ability to choose, choose to occupy your mind and your thoughts with good news and not with the bad news, because when you allow that, you allow the thief and the robber to come and steal from you. You get my drift here. You get what I'm trying to say to you. So remember, the gospel is good news. Uh, The enemy wants to come and rob, kill, and destroy from you. He wants you to, in fact, use the God-given ability that God has given you of imagination, that when you hear bad news, that it stimulates your imagination to look down the path of all the bad things because of the bad news. But when you hear the gospel, it stimulates your God-given ability to see an amazing future. The Bible says to me and to you this morning that as a man thinks, so he will become. See, that's why the battle for you 
is taking place in your mind. It's what you will give a foothold to. It's what you will feed your brain with, your mind with. Good news, bad news. The devil stealing, destroying, killing. God bringing abundant life. Hallelujah. Satan is described as the God of this world. It says that he veils the gospel. He uses it by getting and attacking the mind by blinding it. Now, it's a very interesting thing. When you look at this word in that Second Corinthian scripture, the word mind, uh, often you will find in the New Testament when we talk about mind or the heart, uh, it is a Greek word, the cardia. But in this particular case, uh, the translation or the word used here is a different word. It is a word that is to describe the ability of you to think and reason. So the devil attacks your ability uh, by blinding your mind to attack your ability to reason. See, it's a God-given ability to reason. To reason means this, that when information is given to you, oh my gosh, I'm in a lockdown, so here's the information. But the devil attacks your ability to reason uh, with this set of circumstances that is happening in your life to reason to the negative. But when you allow God And when God stimulates your ability to reason, see, God stimulates your ability to reason with the supernatural possibility of his word of God. So the natural reasoning uh, is a place where the devil attacks because he wants you to, when you decipher whatever is happening in your world, maybe you're struggling with something, so that when you look with your eyes, he wants to attack your ability to reason with the supernatural and attack it with the limitations of the natural so that that's why your imagination will then imagine the worst case scenario. Some of you do that. You've got to stop doing it. Even right now, maybe you're in that position where you are imagining uh, because the devil has attacked that part of your mind where you reason the facts. See, God and his word is supernatural. It is supernatural. There is... Uh, It says of the word of God that there is nothing impossible to those who believe. So when the word of God is fed to your brain, you are stimulating that mindset, that ability uh, to reason with supernatural power so that the natural circumstances cannot limit you when you allow the word of God. Hallelujah. I hope I'm making sense to you. Does that make sense? Okay. He blinds the mind. He attacks your understanding or your ability to reason. Uh, To be blind is not to see. And I want to challenge you some of there today. What are you not seeing that God wants you to see through you feeding your brain with the word of God that the enemy has now attacked your ability to see? God wants you to see beyond your possibilities. Hallelujah. Satan blinds the place of reasoning and thinking so it is not able to believe the incredible promises of God. He wants to give you a disbelieving mind. A lockdown mind. A lockdown mind uh, is locked down because it's allowed the circumstances to be locked down. So what if we are in lockdown? God is still at work and we are not to stop doing what we're doing and preaching the gospel and talking to God and believing about a great future. Stop listening to negative uh, 
stuff that Christians are promoting on the internet. Too many people are listening to a message that people are promoting as the Christian message that is not good news. They are trying to instill in you fear. So what? Maybe we are in the last days. Maybe we aren't. But it doesn't change the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let God's Spirit breathe life into you and breathe His truth of good news, friend. Don't feed your brain with the wrong stuff. Don't give a foothold to the enemy who wants to get inside your head. Interesting. John 12, 40. Jesus had been at work and he had been performing incredible miracles, powerful miracles. Blind were seeing. People with sicknesses and diseases were being healed. People held by demonic forces were being set free. But watch what happens. John 12, 40. Talking of those who had seen the miracles and the work of Satan. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that they they could be healed. Talking of Satan, even though God was performing great miracles, that he had this capacity to blind the minds of those and to do this thing called hardening of heart. See, the activity of Satan, or when he's at work, or when you give him a foothold in your life, it blinds your mind to the wonder of good news. Even if God is at work doing miracles, people still don't even see it because they're so blind. But there's a second aspect that the devil does, and this thing called a hardening of hearts. The Bible talks often about a thing called the hardening of hearts. Of hearts, but it's very important because a lot of people don't understand what it means to harden their heart because hardening of the heart is a sign or an activity of the activity of Satan in your life. And my friend, it can happen to you if you are a Christian. What does it mean to have a hardened heart? Well, lucky day, I'm going to tell you. It's your lucky day, Boyd. A hardened heart. Now, a lot of people think a hardened heart is a heart that doesn't feel emotions or perhaps compassion. Well, that can be a, a bit of the outworking, but the true meaning of a hardened heart is this. It is to have a stubborn and obstinate mind, a mind destitute of spiritual perception. Think about it. The devil, when he gets a foothold, is able to bring a spiritual blindness that creates destitution. The spirit of the devil, and when he gets a hold of your mind and he gets you into a place of disbelief, is able to give you a hardened heart, which is in fact a heart or a thinking that is stubborn. A stubborn thinking is a thinking that is trapped in a particular way. I'll even read you what stubbornness means. To be stubborn is a dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something. You see, you are a Christian, you can have a hardened heart. No, I couldn't have a hardened heart. You want to bet? I believe God, and we are on, that God wants to move so powerfully in the time that we are living in that there is incredible opportunities for the gospel. That God is at work moving across this planet and he is healing people, he is saving souls, and he is reaching more people. But sadly... Uh, there are those 
who are believers who are living in this place of a stubbornness of heart. See, a stubbornness of heart is not allowing the Word of God to change your natural thinking of what is possible. Did you know that even the disciples had this problem? That even those that had seen Jesus do great miracles and had walked with Him for three years or three and a half years, Jesus then rebukes them for a thing called the hardened heart, which to me then verifies the fact that Satan had actually been at work stealing, thieving, killing, and destroying. And we're going to have a look at it. Uh, I need to see the clock. So remember, a hardened heart is a stubborn, obstinate heart. Uh, the heart is your cardia, your place where you not only reason, but where your emotions are and where, where you live. That it can be hardened to the, to, to the Word of God. Destitute of spiritual perception and inability. That's the problem with, the, with these scribes and the Pharisees. They had hardened hearts. That's the problem with these people Jesus we're talking about. Even though they'd heard the gospel they had a, and saw miracles, they had a hardened heart. A hardened heart is giving uh, the enemy a place and a position. Ephesians 4.27 says this, Nor should you give place to the devil. Uh, in the NASB it says, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Written to Christians. And in the NIV version it says, and do not give the devil a foothold. You see my friends, he's looking and the, the scripture is telling us, don't give him the place, don't give him a foothold, don't give him the opportunity to get inside your head. Because he can get inside your head. Otherwise, why is the Bible telling us, don't let him get inside your head? Because he wants to rob you. Because he wants to steal from you. Because he wants to give you a destitute spirit of, uh, of spiritual perception. He wants to cause you that when you hear bad news or when you hear challenges around your life or you hear what's happening around the, pal- on the, around the planet, uh, that it will cause you to be robbed of this incredible thing called God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is still good. It doesn't matter that we are in lockdown. It doesn't matter that there are all these crazy things going on. God is greater and his word is more powerful. Stop giving the devil a foothold. Stop letting him get inside your head, my friends. Stop allowing a hardness of heart to be yours. And you know, there will be some of you out there, and I guarantee it, who will be saying, I don't have a hardness of heart. The mere fact that you say that to me is a dangerous statement because, in fact, that sounds quite prideful. And more than likely, he's already hardened your heart. You just don't know it. That's a bit harsh, Keith. Read with me now. Mark 16, 14 through to 18. This is just this is an amazing thing here. Jesus had spent three and a half years with these dudes. They had seen amazing things. Jesus had said, man, boys, I'm going to go to be with the Father. And they're like, they didn't really get it. Uh, the crucifixion, you know, Jesus is taken. We have the garden episode. All the disciples run away. 
Yet they'd seen and spent three and a half years with Jesus, seeing all these amazing things and being astounded by his word and even participating in the great miracles. Yet this moment in their lives, this season in their lives, their hardness of heart, as we'll soon see, was stopping them perceiving something amazing that had happened. Mark 16, 14 through to 18 in the New King James Version. Verse 14, later he appeared to them to the eleven, as they sat at the table. And listen to what he says. First thing out of his mouth. And he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart. What? What? Why didn't Jesus say, boys, I understand you've been through a hard time. I understand that, you know, maybe this has been a bit... But tough for you. Why didn't he nice and emotionally and, and compassionately, you know, pat them on the backs that they managed to get to this stage? Because Jesus was trying to tell them something that was incredibly important about the time that their lives were living, about the age of such a time as this for them, that there was an issue of a hardness of heart and an unbelieving spirit. That in fact... They needed to get it dealt with. That's why he rebuked them. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, two o'clock in the morning, um, I get woken by the Spirit of God. I like my sleep. What's going on? And um, God begins to speak to me that my mind is not seeing the incredible opportunities that are before us. And that there was something beyond what my mind was able to perceive at this present point that he wanted to show me because it's so important to the future of my life and of those I influence. And I was perplexed because I'm thinking, God, I'm already doing all this stuff. But I felt God trying to speak to me about lifting my eyes and my vision further than I had ever lifted before. That in fact, this age that I live in had this incredible opportunity. For us as a church and for you and I. But there was something of a restriction in my mind that in fact the enemy in some way had been able to shut down my ability to see as far as God wanted me to see. See the disciples had a hardness of heart that stopped them understanding the power and the significance of the moment of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That death could indeed not hold this man down, even though he told them that their mind did not believe those that came and said, Jesus has risen. And friend, this morning you must understand, Jesus has risen and is seated on the throne above all thrones, where all power and dominion is. And that his name is indeed the name that is above every other name. And it doesn't matter what's happening around us. What matters is this name is the name that is above every other name. And you, friend, have authority over him. Hallelujah. I'm getting a bit excited. Sorry. No. No. He follows this with the Great Commission. Verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink any deadly thing and it will 
by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Friends, the age is crazy, but the commission that he gave us is even more important. That we are indeed to be people who take the gospel to every corner of the world. Hallelujah. The other day I was talking to a country pastor. And um, I, I said this statement to him, which possibly offended him. But I don't know, I'm gifted. I'm gifted in offending. I don't know. And I said to him, here's the challenge with country pastors. Is they can often not see beyond the boundaries of their town. They often cannot see beyond the boundaries of their town. And here's the thing, my friend, often that is the case with Christians. They can't see beyond the boundaries of their own life. Hardness of heart stops you seeing further than where you should. In fact, you know what? Some of you are wanting vision but you're not getting vision. You know why? Because there is a hardness of heart because you can't perceive the possibilities that God is trying to show you because you're caught in what you think God can only do. And see, that's why I'm saying we all have these limitations. And if you don't even think now that you have some kind of limitation, my friend, then you are suffering. You are actually unteachable because you think you know it all. Nobody knows it all but him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friend, feed your mind on the word of God. Shut the devil out and let him flee. Stop listening to him. Stop allowing the stuff to get inside you. It's robbing, it's stealing from you. Now, I want to say some stuff. Oh, you've already said some stuff, Keith. But I've got a little more to say. I want to tell you for us as a church where we're at. So under the Ignite Life banner, uh, you know, if you've been with us for a, lot, for a while, you know that deep in the core belief of who we are is a thing called we are a church of disciples making disciples. We are a church of disciples who make disciples. Built out of the Great Commission, Jesus said, go do it. Make disciples. So at this present time for us as Ignite Life Church, we are right now presently discipling approximately 1,500 people directly. Say, so how's that, Keith? You've only got a church of this size in Yarrawonga. Well, here's the thing. Friend, we have a church in Yarrawonga. We have a church in Cobram. We have a church in the Gold Coast. We are now streaming to a much wider audience. Some of you are not participators in Ignite. But just guess what? Every time you listen to a sermon here, we are participating in discipling you. And, you know, some of us in our church, we need to get it in our heads and stop living in the past. Friends, streaming is part of making and reaching more disciples. Hallelujah. So let's therefore then go to Uganda. At the moment in Uganda, we have over six churches uh, whereby we are discipling many, many people. We have a school of 400 children and 15 teachers that we are discipling. We have a Bible school that is training pastors, not just Ignite pastors, but pastors from other churches who will then uh, make disciples. So at the moment, that's where we're at. That's why when God came uh, that two o'clock in the morning, I was thinking, God, you know, hey, come on, man. We're already, you know, where we're at. 
I made the statement about, um, probably at the beginning of the lockdown, that I believe God wanted us to have uh, the influence to directly disciple 10,000 people. That God had put on my heart that we as a church at Ignite would be directly involved in discipling 10,000 people. Maybe three years ago, I went to our church leadership. I'm going to tell you something you don't know. And I went to them and I said, God had given me a vision um, for 50 Ignite Life churches. And I shared that with um, our board. And um, they were like, well, that's a biggie, Keith. That's a biggie. Um, and I said, well, what do you think? You know, and we had discussions and we talked about it. And I could sense within them. You know, there was a sense, yeah, yeah, we could, God can do this. But there was a caution that we shouldn't tell you as the church. Because the thought was that your mind and your mindset would not cope with the fact that we as a, as a country church and Ignite Life could actually plant 50 churches. I don't believe we're at that stage anymore. I believe that we are ripe and ready as a church to understand this great commission. That in fact God wants to use us to do things we've never done before, to reach 10,000 people. Not because Freddie wants to make Ignite Life some great name, not because he wants to make my name some great name, because some of you, uh, you know, may even think that. No, my friend, because my God has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to go to every corner of the world. Hallelujah. I want to inspire you. Don't give the devil a place in your mind. Feed your mind on the incredible, miraculous, supernatural, powerful word of God. Push back the lies of the enemy. Stop basing your life out of bad news, but base your life out of the incredible truths of the Word of God. When you get some challenge in your life, you will defeat it by taking the supernatural words of God and crushing that lie with a supernatural possibility that He has for you. And not only that, friend, you are meant to be participating in this great commission to reach a world. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. You know, Lord, you are the resurrected Jesus. You are the one that death could not hold down. You are the one whose name is above every other name, that Lord demons flee. You are the one that heals the sick. You are the one that saves a soul. You are the one that turns poverty to wealth. You are the one that God, Lord calls hopelessness to have you are the one that has said to us, there is nothing impossible to those who believe. And I pray this morning, Lord, those that hear this stream, that in my heart and their hearts, there would be a new hunger and a new thirst and a new focus to feed ourselves with the wonderful truths you have given us. Father, I take authority over every work of, this, of the thief of the killer, of the destroyer, of the hopes and dreams that God has given us. And I, I command you, Satan, take your hand of every uh, life that is hearing this message this morning. And Lord, let an excitement and a passion uh, be instilled in the hearts and a fire from heaven that we can indeed reach many souls. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.